Welcome back, Freedom Junkies. So good to have you here. I haven't been doing a lot of podcasts lately. I've been traveling and life is happening, homeschool and lots of things. And I just want you all to know that Freedom Junkie Radio isn't about quantity, it's about quality. And I'm going to be bringing people on from here on out when I feel like there's a really important conversation to be had. And this morning, I am so thrilled to have one of these conversations. I, I can't tell you how excited I am about it. Today, my guest is Henna Maria, and you if that's what you'll know her by, is Henna Maria. I'm going to give you uh, an an introduction to her and a bio, but I came across this beautiful soul randomly, I want to say a year, a year and a half ago, and she had done a little series of, of videos, and the one that I saw, I want to say it was about seven minutes long, and she was talking about what is truth, and I thought, this is someone that's got something going on, and it turns out that Hannah Maria is, boy, does she have something going on. She has tons going on. She's originally from Finland and um, speaks multiple languages. I'm going to ask her how many. And ended up becoming a translator at the UN and then realized she didn't want to translate because she wanted her voice to be heard. And she studied in California and is now, oh, and she spent five years in the Peruvian rainforests studying shamanism. And now she lives in Spain. So we're going to be talking to her today and, and about natural law, what is truth, what is the most important thing going on right now. She's an activist in the streets in Spain, and she has um, a foundation that that has started trying to humanize, rehumanize the police. Talk about an undertaking. That one sounds like, I don't know how, I, I, that's amazing. Um, let me give you an introduction. Henna Maria is an activist, speaker, poet, and practitioner of ancestral healing arts, which she learned apprenticing with the Shipobo tribe in the Amazon rainforest. Now Hannah and her husband Richard run their own healing sanctuary, Wiston Origins, in the mountains of Andalusia, Spain. In 2019, Hannah founded Dawn of Peace, a creative community and peace organization. Her advocacy focuses on the spiritual reality of life, human and animal rights, medical freedom and self-sovereignty. In 20, she's my sister. In 2021, Hannah founded the International Police for Freedom Movement, educating police and civilians about our natural rights in order to rehumanize our societies and restore trust between the security forces and the people. Hannah is also one of the co-creators of the We Are Human, We Are Free campaign of nonviolent resistance. Hannah's latest endeavor in July 2022 has been to launch a universal initiative for food sovereignty, Save Our Food. So here we go. With no further ado, Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Betsy. Awesome to be on. Well, uh, this is to have you on and the things I want to talk to you about today are just it's just making my heart sore. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say in the introduction of yourself? I think that pretty much sums up like my current work. Um, anything to add to that? Well, I would say I'm one of those crazy people that love humans. <laughs> so <laughs> me too. Oh my gosh! And people don't get I it. I love human beings. <laughs> I love them all. Yeah. yeah. And all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and people think yeah I'm crazy. so it's been something from a very young age you know that I, I've had this burning passion to understand the full spectrum of human experience you know like that the pains and glories of, of, of human life and I feel very touched and very honored every time I get to meet somebody so I'm feeling very very grateful that I'm here with you today and I get to have a little peek into your life as well so I'm hoping this can be kind of a dialogue more than an interview that that's what I, well that's what I love uh, for myself well that's is what when, it is. when it's a two-way thing you know we're gonna be yeah. chatting that's what we're gonna be doing uh, <laughs> so I'm curious really quick before we get started how many languages do you speak well, I speak English, Finnish, and Spanish, and then my Swedish is kind of in the back burner, but but I okay. could bring it to life very well, I'm fast. I'm figuring you speak Spanish since you're an activist in Spain when the people approach yeah. you on the streets. So let's just start there. Um, I see yeah. you with, you're one of these people that does not mind getting out and meeting people, like you said, and mm -hmm. so you'll have signs on the street, and you've been doing this for a long time. And yeah. I, I heard you, I heard your little 12 minute video that you put out this week, kind of updating people on what you do. Uh, I follow you on Telegram. And so this week, y'all, you and your buddies were out there with signs, really trying to open people's minds to the fact that vaccine damage is being done to people. And this is going to stir up emotions in people. And I know you used to say that your community would spit on you and, and like y'all, you know, you'd have these interactions that were um, unfavorable. They, were, they weren't, they weren't, they were mean, I guess, but you've seen a difference in your, in, in people's hearts and minds lately and that they're approaching you. Um, tell us a little bit about your recent experiences with people in Spain. Yeah. Um, the the timeline with this particular uh, cause, which is medical freedom, we started on the streets 2020 June, and it was just me, my husband, and one other friend, <laughs> and we were there with our signs, asking questions like, "Where does your health come from? Uh, when does the fear end and life begin?" You know, this kind of questions to help people start thinking for themselves. And it took some time for them to understand that we are talking about what's actually going on, you know, that it's related to this, this pandemic, pandemic. So a lot of people would ignore us in the beginning, but then it, uh, we would start making more, I guess, controversial questions and more more controversial signs. And the more kind of visibility we got, the more people found us and then the bigger our group got. So we would get a lot of people off the street actually to say, oh, do you have extra signs? Can I have one? So like this, our community has been growing and it's a network now on the coast of probably between 200 and 500 people. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly, but our core group has stayed the same. So we're about 10 to 15 people that have been going to the streets for two years now. And uh, our group is alive and, and we're getting all different kinds of responses. But I have to say that all along, there was also always interaction that was very positive. But when it got really heated up is when the vaccines were first introduced. And that's when a lot of people, uh, yeah, there was, it was more like passive aggression uh, reactions that we were getting from people, you know, people showing like, oh, you're crazy or, or showing the middle finger or shaking their heads or whatever, like this passive aggression. But now the responses that we're getting from people are more like they go into deeper contemplation 
it it's not anymore that they either ignore us or or the awake ones come to talk to us like that's been the theme all along you know the ones who are awake they are just dying to come and talk to you and say hey i'm with you i've, I've seen this all da, da, da. so we've had this community gathering every time we've been on the streets but in terms of the passers-by that are that are not um let's say conscious of what's happening their reactions are really starting to shift so i'm seeing a lot more self-reflection starting to happen when people read those signs you know okay so you started doing this when uh so who knows what's what's correct and true i want to talk about truth and what is truth i want Mm -hmm. to get there that's uh, important very important um we who knows what our what we're filtering through to us but it looked like from over here that uh, Europe was even far more locked down than we were. And you are s- a, such a person that stands for individual sovereignty, definitely uh, questioning the state. And mm-hmm. then to have all of those freedoms just ripped out. I mean, it happened here too. We were never here in central Texas. We were never on lockdown. That never happened. Uh, mm-hmm. were, um, businesses closed. Uh, masks were were required people were social distancing there was definitely a lot of animosity between people especially at the beginning Mm -hmm. and you i'm so amazed that you've been able to travel as much as you have maintain your sovereignty we're going to start traveling again we're making plans and trying to navigate the world where you know there's no way i'm ever no one's ever going to stick a needle in my arm that's not going to happen so yeah um I was, I was curious when I was paying attention to you doing these, this activism in Spain, first of all, how, how big is Andalusia? I mean, is it a city? Is it a village? What is it you're standing in the streets of? Yeah. So this is a, this is a region. This is an autonomous region in Spain. So the capital is Malaga, but also there's Granada, Marbella. So there's many different cities where we gather. It's a, it's a beach town, which is really busy in the summertime. So you have lots of people from all across Europe coming for a holiday. So it's kind of like the Riviera in, in Spain here. Okay. You so said we're, we're on the streets of Fuengirola. What's that? You said something about it being independent. Yeah, it's an autonomous region. So autonomous the, region. Spain, what does that mean? so Spain is divided into, I'm not Spanish by the way. So I don't know that much. I've just lived here for three years, but Spanish is, is uh, divided into different autonomous regions. So they all have their own kind of local governments. Oh, like states. And so, yeah, basically like states. Okay. So Andalusia is basically one of the states of Spain. Okay. So I, I, I always say greetings from Andalusia because I don't want to be so specific exactly where I am. So it's kind of like more general. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yes. But so we're on the, we're on the beach boulevard there and, and yeah, it, it's been incredible because we were there for every week for 18 months straight. Until this year, we've started to take more time off because it hasn't been as urgent right. as it was then. But we had full-on mask mandates where you would be fined on the spot if you were outside without a mask. And we had peripheral lockdowns where you're not allowed to um, cross city borders. So even the fact of us traveling to the demonstration was considered illegal at that time. So you were so we had dealings with the police. And yeah, you did all get the fined. Time. You got fined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so several recognized- times, but I never paid. Right. I never paid the fines. And I, I went to um I went to the local council um and I did a process where I basically how do I say like I I I made the fines void by explaining the process of natural rights and how I don't consent to the fine. So I, I didn't ever take the fine 
and I never signed any papers and I never heard back from them. <laughs> so I, I, I very consciously went against all the regulations and all the mandates and all the restrictions, but did it with consciousness and, and respect. So, but in this process of, of two years being on the streets, it's, it has been incredible to see how much more interactive the everyday passerby has gotten. Because first we would just get the people who were interested and curious or or they're already seeking answers or awake. But now we're having those who are basically triple or quadruple jabbed and they're starting to feel that something is wrong with this entire narrative. And they're starting to come to us and say, okay, tell me the full story. What, what do you know? Where do you get your information from? What is this? I, I've been triple or, or quadruple jabbed. Am I in danger? W what's in the vaccine? Or we have people coming to tell us their vaccine injuries. And that's never happened before. So we're seeing that a lot of the vaccinated people are actually starting to question the establishment and the public narrative. Mm -hmm. And they are witnessing people around themselves getting sick and things just don't add up. So yeah, it's getting more and more interactive, those street events. And it, it brings me a lot of hope because it shows that, you know, we had our group of unvaccinated people, let's say 30% of the society, but that number just keeps growing. Uh, you know, like now the vaxxed are becoming the anti-vax. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty amazing to know that the, the minority is constantly growing. Okay, so from, from what you're saying, there's about three directions I want to go. And one question I want to ask is, do you know of any communities that you inspired to do the same thing? Because it's just, I'm thinking about what you're doing. And uh, I live in a relatively small community. It's not small, but it's it's on the outskirts of Austin. And we could go sit in our little, you know, downtown on the street and get a bunch of us and hold up some signs. I do, I'm part of a group that where they do that in Austin and they have done it. They don't do it regularly, but to kind of follow mm -hmm. in your footsteps and do that would be so interesting. And it goes against my nature. Um, I'm not <laughs> a street activist, um, but uh, have you inspired some of this kind of action in other places, do you think, or do you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. Like it's, it's becoming an everyday thing here around the coast that there are regular groups going on the streets and even in some other countries, you know, I have my course. So some of the students on the course have started doing that in their countries. And I do get regular people, uh, like regularly people contacting me and asking, Hey, I want to start something like this in my, my town. So yes, absolutely. What's your course? It's called the foundations for pioneering peace activism. And it's basically everything that I have learned over the course of 16 years put into 12 different modules. It's about nine to 10 hours of, of material. And I go through all the different areas that I feel that activists should should be well um, heard, like well versed in, you know, and not just the information. Because this is what I see a lot of the resistance is focused on the information that we we have av available to us and wanting to share that. But then a lot of us are lacking the emotional skills, the communication skills. How do you do outreach? You know, just fundamental things about how you create the connection on the street, which to me is if, if you don't have that, if you don't know how to tone down your anger and stop judging other people, nobody's ever going to be inspired by your message. <laughs> you know? so like, this that's, is amazing. that's the first thing. That's yeah. amazing. Um, I should take your course and I should have a bunch of other people I know do it because I was thinking about that. You know, I'm inspired by you, obviously. And so if I were to try to do this, I would be just 
it would be like baking my first cake and just seeing what happens, you know, like I I would just kind of start and, and trial and error, but you're taking that trial and error away. It's like, yeah, yeah. here's what I've learned. There's a method. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There's definitely okay, a method and there's so many resources and so much, you know, when we think of activism, there's unfortunately, I think this is largely due to the media and, and you know, the movies that are out there. We think of an angry person on the street protesting wearing black and, and getting into some sort of violent interactions with the police. And, and, and because there is this general idea that that's what activism means, it's very off-putting for a lot of no, people. It's true. And it's just not it, you know? It's true. Like you this... think of like activists in the streets in the 60s, like getting beaten by batons. Yeah. And, and lately it's, yeah. you know, getting water cannoned and this is what activism is. And you yeah. are like, no, it's, it's peaceful. No. Yeah, you can. It depends how you build your action. You know, Gene Sharp is, is a scholar that has listed 198 different methods of nonviolent action. And... A centralized protest is just one of these 198 actions. <laughs> and so there's so many things we can do. But the thing is, because most people don't really study liberation struggles from the past, or they don't really read, you know, fantastic activists' works from the past, or, or study what freedom actually means, like the foundations of anarchy. What does it mean? What value system are we wanting to transmit on the streets? Then you basically just have a bunch of rebels, which is a very uh, kind of like a teenage mentality on the street, protesting their mommy or daddy for not letting them do what they want. It That is honestly what I see, not wanting to patronize anyone, but honestly, that is what I see. That majority of activists are in that mentality. It's not very constructive. There's no strategy behind, and it's coming from a place of very deep frustration. And of course, that is the first step. That is the first step to liberation and maturity is when you go from infancy, which is blindly following the authority to the rebel mode, which is the, the teenager. But ultimately, you want to be mature. You want to be a sovereign adult who can just ignore the bully and start building. So this is the kind of activism that I'm interested in, is, is to lead by example and inform people, because this is what they need to empower themselves. But not to protest anybody, because then it means that you're actually you're validating you're validating their um, legitimacy and their authority. So I, I don't believe in protests, but unfortunately, ninety percent of everything I see in modern activism is protesting, and that's when you get police violence. That's when you get the media having a field day. That's when you get this this clash. So I'm not interested in that. But unfortunately, it's because the way that we've come to learn. Or, or perceive activism, activism, that's what majority of people will first do when they come to wake up, right. that we have to take action. So this is, you're shifting, you're having, you're, you're helping to create a paradigm shift in the way that people can be activists like in the street. It's, it's a groundbreaking work. I mean, it's really amazing. I'm sure other people have had this concept before, but like you oh, said, yeah. we don't know what we don't Not know. And only we only one. know what we know. And we only know what we've been fed. And yes. I know all of us in our movement are aware of the fact that every we're all we've all been brainwashed. There's the song by Tom McDonald. We're all brainwashed. He's not saying y'all are. He's saying we all are. And so as you have these layers of aha moments, like 
oh my gosh, I was lied to about that. And it's not just lied to. It's this, like you said, from infancy, these deep understandings that we've been given Mm -hmm. that are not necessarily untrue. I mean, that is a way of doing it. You can go, this is a great example. Uh, the, The whole activism in the street you're more than welcome to have a million man march and protest. People, can, you can do that. It's not, you know, uh, we're free. But that we we don't realize when we think there's an only way to something mm-hmm. until you, mm-hmm. until somebody gets a download of a new way. So uh, it's just awesome. And I'm hoping that, that, um, that you reach a lot of people. I want to shift and I want to talk about, so the first thing I ever heard you talk about was natural law, truth, what is truth? And you turned me on to Mark Passio, which if my listeners don't know who that is, you need to know who that is. I would love to have him on here. Ooh, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> He's uh, a firecracker. <laughs> he is, and he He's does like a machine for truth. <laughs> a machine for truth. And he has, yeah. he's so... Uh, logical about it that those of us who are more heart-centered are it's like oh did you really just like throw me under the bus too I mean he he's like this is this stuff is so important that if those of us who don't know it don't do something you're letting this machine that would this tyrannical the tyranny just mow Mm -hmm. us over those of us who know and can see from, you know, from what we've got, which I, you know, they say the, um, the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know. And that's exactly where I am. I feel like a, a toddler at everything right now. You know, uh, there's a, an incredible woman you should know about named Dr. Marlene McMillan. Have you ever heard of her? No, okay. don't think I'm, so. I'm going to, I'll link to some of her stuff at the, in the show notes for this. And, um, She's an American woman who helped to pioneer the fact that we have the freest laws in the United States for homeschooling in Texas 30 years ago. And she is just a powerhouse for liberty. She she is so, I've never met anyone more passionate for the movement than she is. And she's um, um, our senior for sure. Uh, She's our elder and and she is pushing on until the day she dies, she will be um, fighting for the liberty of, of humanity on this planet. And she's written a book, well, she's written so many books and she has so many more to write. She has them all, she, they're working. Uh, one is called The Five Pillars of Liberty and it's based on definitions. I'm really getting off, right? I'm getting off track right here, but that's okay because this is good stuff. The definitions of our words have been changed. Oh, I know what I was saying. I was saying, I feel like a toddler. Oh my gosh, I went, I'm, I'm reading one of her books and we had the pleasure of having her come to the book club and, and actually be there. And the, I felt, I, I felt like a first grader I, and, 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 and I'm holding out this platform called Freedom Junkie Radio, which is, let me just tell you this. So the difference between freedom and liberty, well, there's a big difference in her, uh, the way she understands freedom is that freedom's like you're free. There's no repercussions to what you do. You can just go and do like you could go be a vandal because you're free, right? You're out of jail. Whereas liberty has, there's responsibility to it. There's a weight to it. You're not only responsible for your liberty, but those around you and making sure that things happen properly. And um, I'm, I'm the, the definitions are the basis for the five pillars of, of liberty. And our definitions of our words have slowly over time been changed. I think I posted on your channel about this the other day. 
uh, over the mainly over the last 50 years towards Marxism. We don't even know it. If you go, my kids, when they're reading their literature, which they have to read for homeschool, they'll pop out and be like, what does this mean? And a lot of times I'll know, and I'll give like, if they were like, what does ubiquitous mean? I'll be like, well, it means it's a household term, but I know, and I don't bother to look it up because I pretty much know contextually what that word means. But every now and then they pull one out that I've heard, but I don't use, and I don't really know what it means. And I bust out my phone and I find the definition for the word. Well, those definitions are like that definition of education. The definition of education, so um, Webster himself took, it was many years, I want to say around 20 years, it was either 26 years or something of his life to come up with the real first American English dictionary, I don't know if it was American or British, um, Noah Webster, I believe, and it was in 1828 that he published it, and he drew from, he was a brilliant man who drew from like 18 different languages, and he went and defined every, this was his life's work. He defined every word. And the, the definitions are based in historical linguistic truth. And if you look at the definition for say education, the education of a child 200 years ago meant everything that comes into their mind, spiritually, uh, intellectually, home, community it's the it's the formation of a human being is what education was now education in the dictionary says it's something that comes from an institution they've mm -hmm. institutionalized the word education and we all buy it because we were all born in the last 50 years me almost you know, and so we, we don't know what we don't know. So getting these dictionaries is important. The 1828 dictionary, she said there's an even better one really because it's more modern. It's the collegiate dictionary from the 1970s. Webster's collegiate dictionary. If you can get a version from the seventies, she said they're hard to find because they're out of print, but they're still good definitions. And um, so the pillar of truth is the first one in her work. And so I felt like when I was coming on to interview you, to chat with you, I thought, you know, your knowledge base just sometimes feels like I, I, I feel like, you know, teach me. And that's why I'm here because you, you, I, um, Marlene said that when she was in court, when the, she's done it many times to try to keep the laws off of homeschooling in Texas, we don't want the state involved. And um, she said that when you're at that level, and even like in sports, when you're at the top level of your game, the opposition is also at that top level. They know what they're doing too. And I just was like, oh God, you know, I felt like I am not at that level. I'm still learning so much and I'm bringing it to people as I learn it. Um, truth. That was the first thing I ever heard you speak about. People are talking about my truth. Speak your truth. <laughs> this yeah. has gotten out of hand. There is only the truth. And so I'd like for you to speak just for a minute on, on what you would say when it comes to truth. Oh, you know what? Really quick. I was listening to you talking about the, the nine tenets of natural law. And one of them, and this comes from the ancients. I know you've studied the Essenes. Uh, one of them is called gender. 
And I think that that's absolutely fascinating because in nature, when we're talking about natural law, there can only be two genders and without them, we don't exist. Nothing exists. So this is, I feel almost like the powers that were, were almost like going nanny, nanny, boo, boo. We're going to, we're going to tell you there's more than one gender and just watch you fall for it. You know, and we have as a species, we've fallen for this just twisted nonsense. So there, I threw a lot at you, but so truth, let's start there. Yeah. Well, how, this how time is so called far that... away from it. Yeah, th this time is called the era of post-truth, you know, in many different mm -hmm. places. I, I see this term cultivated everywhere. And so I think it just describes perfectly how in this time, it's not about truth anymore. It's not about morality. It's about people's opinions and preferences. And so they've tried to hijack this word truth to mean something that it isn't. So when people say your truth, what they should actually say is your perception or your story or your view. But truth is very simple. It's been mystified. But truth means what is actually happening now and what has happened. It's an empirical fact of a state of being or, or an event or it's, it's like I know for a fact. And, and there are people who say there is no truth. And then they try to mystify it completely and nobody knows the truth. It's almost like when you say that, then, then you take all responsibility away from you. Because if you can't know the truth, then you can't know the difference between right or wrong or truth or lie anymore. So then there's no consequences to when people have beliefs that are incredibly violent or hostile, because everyone has the right to have their own truth. This is the the new age maxim that is being shared everywhere. Oh, they have the right to have their own opinion. Well, but there are things that are facts. And as you're, as you're saying about the gender, man and woman, there, there is nothing, <laughs> there's nothing beyond that question. So the truth is something that is immutable. It's unchangeable. It's, it's law and nobody can touch that. So our work here as as communicators is to refine our perception and refine our senses as close to truth as possible. Because the more truth there is in society, the more freedom there is. The further we, we are away from truth, then the more we are, of course, leaning towards the path of the lie. And when you go to the path of the lie, that takes you away from what is right. So you start going down very immoral paths. And the more immoral a society is, the less free it is. So if we want to have a free world or free earth, free humanity, then the first priority is to serve the truth. Okay, let's give some examples of truth for people because there's probably somebody listening to this going, well, what is true? Okay, yeah. my examples, and these are just totally my own coming up with this. The sun rises and sets. Uh, there is love. I know there is love because I feel it. There are two genders. That is truth. Uh, every action has consequences. 
what other truths can you help people just know? Because like you said, we have to define it. We have to know what is true. Well, like, um, um, I, I had a glass of, um, ginger beer before starting this, this, uh, podcast that was That's made cool. by a very good friend of mine, Neil. And my husband went to pick it up earlier today from Nerja, from the coast. So this is true. Okay. Or I'm wearing a light blue shirt with uh, wooden earrings that are made by a Finnish artist. This is so simple. Truth is simple. Truth is just what is. Or you are sitting there and your your image is appearing above mine in my screen. This is true. It's it's it, like this with is truth a, this is a mandolin. I play <laughs> music. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So there's there's an infinite number of things that are true. It's infinite. Yes. Is infinite. It's infinite. It's just what is. What is happening now or what has happened? It's it's very, very simple. Okay. So, but when it comes to questions about things that we cannot, like the question of the movement of the celestial bodies, this, this is a huge question now in the freedom movement. Is the sun rising or is it just appearing to rise? Right. Is it a I don't know that. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. What is the shape of this realm? Is it stationary? Is it, is it, um, is, are we in a, in a tree? Some some see this is a tree of life. Some see this is a dimension and it's alive and actually has no physical form. I so, think it's so cool that everyone's questioning everything now. Everyone, we're questioning <laughs> everything because you have to. It's like yeah. finding, it would be like being the like Truman in the Truman Show, right? As soon as you figure out you've been lied to about one thing and then you rip through and you're like, holy crap, the whole thing's been a lie. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Now we, a lot of us feel like the rug did get pulled out from under us because we don't know what to believe. And yes. So I, yes. And I, I, I feel for everyone there, just questioning, questioning everything. Um, mm -hmm. But, but so those of us who are questioning everything, we really do need a, a foundation and some shoulders to stand on, and we need each other. And yeah. that foundation is truth. You know what the danger there is. Basically, what's happening is that we we are beings that have been raised inside a zoo mm -hmm. and we've come to believe that what is happening around us is natural and it's somehow inherent to um humanity but it's not it's all artificial it's all, all uh, manufactured it's not something it's not species specific natural behavior that a human being would choose to do unless we were captured and domesticated and put into a cage. So we are observing the full world. We're observing a, a, a collection of beings that have been domesticated and captured. So we have to just come to sit with that first and say, okay, so basically I'm a being who doesn't know how to live yet because I've been put into an environment that is completely against my natural senses and my natural being and everything I've been told has been for the purpose of keep me, keeping me contained so that I would be happy inside my cage. And so this is why I've been told that the cage is natural for me. When in fact, there's this whole entire beautiful raw wild earth out there, but I just don't know what it's like because I've lived my entire life in this containment. So not only are we actually physically contained in these urban prisons, but our minds have become contained. So we have this mental prison that is that is capturing the infinite potential of our minds. 
which we I know for a fact that we are capable of coming very close to truth, just with our own logic, reason, and intuition. But if all those senses have been skewed, because we have been living in this artificial environment, and we've been fed food that is not meant for human beings, <laughs> you know, everything that we're doing is not meant for human beings, basically. So it's going to take a while for us to, um, how to say, regain our senses, regain our instincts as a natural free man or woman. Yeah. And so we need time for that. And what's what the danger in all of this is, is when people wake up and they see, they recognize the bars around them. And for the first time they realize I am basically like a performing monkey in a zoo. I am, I'm, I, I, it's humiliating and it, it's, embarrassing what's been done to me as a species. I don't belong here. This isn't me. And then somebody gives you, here are all the answers. And you gobble it up because you're so used to that sense of confinement that you need straight away another structure to feel safe. So this is when, you know, someone's discovered, oh my God, the, the, the politics is, this is theater. Wow. And then someone gives you Okay, yes, the the this um let's say this head of state is a puppet, but this other one, he's the savior. And then you gobble up the other one. Or or you come to recognize that I don't know, pharmaceutical industry is bad when it comes to vaccines. But then someone sells you ivermectin and doesn't realize, well, that's another pharmaceutical product. You, you know what I mean? So like, it's so dangerous to just gobble up this alternative information and take it as truth immediately. We just have to sit with things and start start from very basic kind of comprehension of what is actually happening and, and how our societies have been built. What are these forces that are controlling us? That's the first thing that we have to discover. Who are the zookeepers who, and who hold the keys? You know, and how have they managed to c convince us that it's it's a good thing to be living inside these bars? And it, it could it sounds almost like an impossibility taking your analogy a little further. If you you can't even let a caged animal out into the wild, they will not survive. They don't know how to survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here we are. Yeah. Where the cage door is open and we realize we've the, we're the monkey that's mm -hmm. been trained and we want to get out, but we don't even know. So it's, this is a, just, you're, my, you're blowing my mind as I knew you would. Yeah. So um, we need to, we need to find the animals that have escaped before us and have already started to find a way to live in harmony with nature and in under the mercy of nature, because we are truly when you're free. And something that was interesting to me when you said the difference between freedom and liberty, I've heard that liberty is a term in English that came when soldiers were given time off. And that you when you when you have liberty is actually, it's, um, it's not infinite, it's, it's temporary. This is like a lease lease from service. This is what I've understood for the etymology of liberty. So I don't know. I'd like to we dig into that. Double check it, that. Yeah. yeah. It, but I choose to use the word freedom for, for better um, judgment here. Well, but freedom so, from the cage is it's freedom. Yeah. So you're out of, you're out of the cage and you have this wild world waiting for you. 
And it's easy to make mistakes as well, because we then need to, we, we need to rebuild our instincts and we don't have them. So this is why it's so easy to fall into these psyops and start following these glittery and glorious, uh, <laughs> controlled op leaders yeah. who always come across so, so charming and so knowledgeable. So, okay. Yeah, there are, they are out there, but if we take small steps and just really brace ourselves I do believe that in that process, we can learn to perceive truth better and better. Well, so one of the things we've been trained to do is like you just said, look outside ourselves for leadership and for people to tell us what to do. We've been very yeah. well trained to do that by our parents, our teachers, our, you know, our professors, whatever you, you ask questions and you get answers and you don't think for yourself. Well, those of us who've started thinking for ourselves, I just want, we still have the habit of when we hear someone sounding good, there are so many people out there right now who've jumped on the freedom bandwagon, selling all kinds of stuff, whether it's physical mm -hmm. goods or just ideas. And you yeah. still have to question everything, challenge everything. Like you said, some of them could be controlled ops, um, mm -hmm. but some of them could just be con artists that are in it for themselves. Yeah. And so where it really leads back to is we all have to start trusting ourselves. And I yes. know you already do that. I know you do. I try to. And I think sometimes I get caught up in, I'll get caught up in a good, you know, a good story for sure. Then I got to catch myself. But um, we all do. We're all human and we've all been uh, mm -hmm. uh, programmed. So, yes. but I think coming back to going within, what is your own intuition? What do you know to be true? Yes. And we are here for each other. And when you intuit that someone is uh, a clear channel and a good heart, they're still human. They're still going to make mistakes. And so just because one person posts something doesn't make it gospel, you know, they can forget to, to legitimize it or, you know, fit, verify it or whatever. So yeah. um, that that's a big part of it is beginning to trust ourselves again. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I would say that the the best way to start recognizing what is for our benefit and what isn't is really first start from examining that cage. What is that cage like? You know? So if someone is offering you a solution which is very similar to this zoo that you've you've grown in, that's probably going to be a very bad idea. So okay. I know that the problems in our society is that somebody else is deciding matters on my behalf. Mm. That's number one, huge, huge red flag. Well, if someone's offering you a solution where again, somebody else is deciding matters on your behalf or, or on the behalf of your family, whether it's related to your finances or your, your health or whatever it is, wait a minute, what gives that other individual authority over me? If they have authority over me, this is once again slavery. This is once again that I have been captured in a system where someone else is oppressing me. It doesn't matter what context you put that in. If you find someone believing that they can decide matters on your behalf, that's the cage again. So if we can get into the very, very fundamental basics of understanding how the zoo works, what is the dynamic there, then we can use that as a blueprint, as a map 
to say, okay, so I definitely don't want a system where someone else is deciding matters on my behalf. Okay, well, where does that put me? Now I feel insecure because my whole life, I haven't had to take that responsibility. I felt safe because I knew that I don't have that pressure if I make a mistake because someone else is doing that on my behalf. So I can just kind of hide behind their shadow and they're making these big decisions. Well, now I don't have that anymore. So I feel insecure. So what can I do to make myself feel more secure now? Well, I need to find other people like myself. I need community. At this point, the community comes in. So then we have to find other other people who have escaped those bars, who have left that prison and are also looking to live in a way where nobody else is going to rule over them. When you have that around you, that is a tremendous success and, and, and a path to victory already right there. Because you know now you can start trusting each other. If there's no one that's looking to oppress you, we can start building trust. Yeah, when you find from that place of trust, from that place place of trust, then you start feeling more and more secure, and with that security, you become more and more confident, and you begin to be able to listen to yourself much better. I think that we've we've all come to a place of of big distrust of of other humans. Yes, and um, when you find someone who champions you listening to yourself, that you need to make your own decisions, you need to take responsibility. When you find those people, those to me, that's just um, a pillar of truth. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when someone says, follow me, I've got the answers, this is what you should do. Any of those, any of that type of language, which disempowers you and tells you, know, you to you fall in line again. And it's easy. It's kind of like an addict, you know, you can quit one drug and replace it with another and feel pretty good about having quit the one, you know? So it's, it's, it's easy for us. We're probably pretty addicted to the cage and being told, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a lot of layers and um, it can feel heavy at times, but it's so liberating, you know? So what would you say would be, from your perspective, which is such an interesting one, you have so much going on with the the humanizing the police, which we haven't talked about, and uh, your the the food security. My goodness, uh, you, are you you're familiar with Jim Gale? Yes. Yeah, yeah I yeah. interviewed Jim. Um, he's all yeah. about food. So, you know, but growing your own food and in your own communities, your own yards. There's uh, he, he's so cute because he says, you know, if everybody was growing their own food, the powers that shouldn't be would uh it have zero control over you zero the food is everything yeah. food is what you have to have that's why your dog sticks around you know yeah. you, you, you're feeding him so it, it, the the source of that that's what we have to have in order to survive food and water shelter clothing and love and mm-hmm. uh without food we all die so the control of the food the fact that we think we're all supposed to go eat food from a shop and we've all, we all believe that is, is, yeah. is, and so you've got that going on, save our, our food. Um, what is the most important thing? Can you say that? I mean, there's so many important things. Yeah. What's, what's um, I mean, what can people do? First and foremost, know yourself. So it's, 
you know, this, this social media environment is very good at generating envy and sense of um, inferiority and this constant mental comparisons of, oh, I don't have this or I'm not doing that or this person's achieving all this and uh, what about me is if you can just reduce your time online drastically, 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 drastically and start sitting with yourself and asking, okay, who am I? What gives me joy? What, where do I feel a sense of purpose? What, in which kind of action do I feel like I come alive? That is your role in this time. So I think the most important thing is for everyone to really discover what is their, what is it that they can offer? What is their contribution? And know that whatever it is, it's a gift. And that this entire earth and, and all of creation is actually waiting for you to step into your power and to offer that gift. Oh, and if we all did it, imagine. Yes. One of the things I tell people, I, I released a book recently called Take Life by the Horns, which you've apparently done, like you get a hundred, um, is that you are amazing. Every single creature on this, every single human being is amazing. The fact, and if you don't think that, like I'm sure there's somebody who's gonna be listening to this at this very moment who's saying, I'm not amazing. It's because that's what we all do. We're all it's we can so easily go back into the I'm not. Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to be successful at that because of this. And I'm a am I'm, I'm not all that. I'm not all that is pretty much what we've all been told. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. we grew up in in a schooling cage where there was the person who had the best grade in the class and the rest of us were inferior. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm good at math, but I'm not good at Ang English or I'm not good at this. It's like none of that matters. You are a human being who has yeah. a spark of light, who is unlike anything else on the planet. Whatever is working is working. So if you are an intact human being who has all your arms and legs and you can see out of both eyes and you can hear out of both ears, you've really, you're really like all your organs are working properly and your elimination works and your cognitive function is working. It's all <laughs> miraculous. Every single one of us is a miracle. Yeah. And yeah. then if you, if you don't have the use of your legs or if you're blind or if you're, you are still a miracle. Absolutely. 100%. What are you going to do with the life you've been given? And, yes. you know, and it's also great to relax and not just constantly do, do, do. That's kind of a thing I wonder about you. Like, are you crazy? Do you, are you, I know yes. you're I'm crazy. You're crazy. The Full good disclosure. <laughs> I mean, how do you have time to do everything you do? It's amazing. I have bitten off too much. You remind me of myself when I look at what you're doing. I have definitely yeah. bitten off too much lately. I can't do all of what I've set out to do and so <laughs> yeah yeah prioritize and well, um... <laughs> it's, that's something that that's my huge learning curve because I I have a lot of inspiration coming through there, there's there's this ever since I've gone through my personal healing journey which is of course it's going to be for the rest of my life but let's say the big bulk of it that the really the the hard heavy stuff once I liberated myself from this burden of constantly my energy and my focus leaking out of me into these traumas once i got to make peace with that and reconcile with all those fears and uh, shame and anger that was born from from those traumas this energy got 
just, I don't know, centered into me and turned into this well of infinite inspiration. And it just keeps bubbling through and it's incredible. And I feel that this is, it's such a joy and it's such a, a gift but at the same time, I'm learning how to navigate it and, and notice, okay, so this is what it means to be a free human being. And I mean, free spiritually, free from those burdens, free from the burden of those traumas. You know, you so just... now I have all this capacity, you know, that I didn't have available before for creation because I'm no longer stuck in the past of those traumas. So now I'm in the present. And so all this, it's like this lava just bursting through but but yes the answer to your question am i crazy yes i'm a bit crazy because it is sometimes too much and i am learning to delegate so this is something <laughs> that, uh, it's a finished thing as well it's in our cultural heritage and in our identity that we're very very hard workers like if, if you ever know a fin you, you they can testify for you we are extremely hard workers and it, there was just no option because we live in very extreme nature you know, so you had to always be one step ahead. So you have everything prepared for the next season and we are forest people. So this is in our, this is in our blood, but to put that into the modern context where everything's always awake. So there's there, like, you can do work around the clock online and you can be having zoom calls to Australia at 1am in the morning. And so I have had to learn to, to start delegating more and prioritizing recharge so there, there is such a thing as, you know, input output. So that, that's something I have been, I have been balancing with is taking time just to rest and recharge and to receive just peace and serenity and calmness rather than constant action mode, because that, that was, but it was fueled by a sense of urgency as well. Of course, seeing the gravity of what is happening on earth, uh, was a massive kind of like call, call to arms in a way that I could I just knew that I have to live in a way that I can not regret these two years or, or that this time. And that I know that I've done absolutely everything in my, in my power, in my capacity to, yes, to, to bring the message of hope and bring the message of truth and liberation for people. But I cannot do that effectively if I burn myself out. <laughs> so that has been, right. that has been something I have been learning. Like, look, this level of work, uh, I can only sustain that if I start slowing down. So this is why I left January 1st this year, Facebook and Instagram, mm. because both of those platforms were just exploding. I was starting to have tens of thousands of subscribers and the level of interactions that were happening was so intense. And the level of connections that were coming through was so intense that I couldn't keep up with that. So it was taking a lot of my vital energy. And second of all, seeing how those platforms were transformed into this meta uh, platform, which is basically going to be this virtual hell and that they can hijack your voice, your face, your video, all your content and create a virtual avatar of yourself in, and put it in this metaverse. And your consent to that is that you are creating material for them in their platforms. So I knew that I, I had to take myself out of that platform uh, because I don't consent to that reality. But the, the grace of that was that then I was able to have more space to interact a bit less <laughs> with my community and do a bit more of that recharging and resting. So anyone who is thinking, oh, how can they do so much? Yeah, there is a shadow side to that. 
And I do recommend to, to really examine your energy levels and to know that you are doing everything from a free will base and that it, your work is still giving you joy and it's not powered with, I should be doing this or right. some sort of guilt of I'm not doing enough. If, right. if you're there, then you, you've already basically gone too far. You, you well, need to right. take and a I, step and rest. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a doer and I get all this. You just gave me, you just um, broke something open for me. I'll tell you what it was, but um, yeah. it was really good information for me to receive that you don't have to do anything. We're not humans, human doings. We're human beings. All you <laughs> yes. have to do is be. Now, yeah. when you want to take that to another level, if it feeds you, then great. But if you, you know, and sometimes you, you do, I love all of the learning that you've done. The fact that you went and spent five years in the rainforest in Peru and that you studied the Essenes and that you've studied natural law. I'm so grateful you did all that because you've broken through to me and I'm sure to many people. So, you know, going back and learning and spending time on yourself, that seems almost at, at you know, as an adult, it seems almost luxurious to sit and read a book, you know, especially when I homeschool my kids and I had to realize ah, this year when I took on everything, recording songs, writing a book, doing a podcast, starting another business. I'm like, wow. Oh, okay, wait a minute. Who just fell through the cracks? Uh, the, the, the true education of my children, which is happening 24 hours a day. So that comes first. I realized that's my priority until they're gone. And then I'll have, I can be an old lady and do this all the time and be happy, you know? Um, but you just broke through for some, something for me, henna. Um, you, you just made me realize that the reason I've become a powerhouse, well, and I knew part of it, but that I've healed my trauma. I've been, I've been healing my trauma. I did a lot of that in my twenties. And, um, but I hung on to, uh, the party girl hat and was, uh, and just was drinking too much alcohol all that time. And, Three years ago, over three years ago, I, I let alcohol go. I, I knew I had to because I, I was looking, I wanted to, I wanted to do this was before COVID. I knew the world was changing. I knew that this new earth was going to be a possibility. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm a light, I'm a lover. And I, I couldn't spend my evenings just drinking and hanging out with people that was not going to, I couldn't do it. So mm -hmm. having healed that, that's trauma. That's like daily trauma because you wake up and you feel bad. You're not yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I, um, uh, having healed that, I'm just like you. I am a, a my, I've always been a creative type and, a, a, and a, um, an idea person, but it's insane what's been happening since I've made my vessel clear and clean and available. And I told that I said yeah. to the universe, I'm available for anything that, which is good and of the highest good and of the light. And, you know, that's a, almost a little dangerous, but like, it's so, I don't want anyone who's listening to this to feel like, oh, look at these two ladies who are out fighting the fight. I'm not on the front lines. You know, you're kind of on the front lines as an activist. We're talking about some of the, the people who live out here who are doing really good work, the pandemic crew. Uh, they're on the front lines. They're reaching millions. Um, uh, but 
no, so I'm not on the front lines. Um, I don't think this podcast is front line. It's just, I'm, I'm open to talking to people. And if people will listen, the majority of people I know who are not awake and who are just like, la, 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 they're, they're not, I mean, I can't reach them. I don't even try anymore. Um, but it's always so great to have, to connect with someone like you are on the other side of the world, almost, uh, doing such great work. And just to remind ourselves, you know, if you go and look through the people that I've interviewed, uh, it's just, and this is just, it's just like 30 people. It's not even that many. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of us all over the world who are holding that torch for liberty in whatever way. It, we've got a lot to learn. We're all just peeking out of the cage, like, oh, what do we do? And um, it's, you, so you just broke open that for me, that that's why I am the way I am is because I've healed mm -hmm. my trauma. So people who still have healing to do, who still mm -hmm. hold resentment, uh, grief, uh, anger, who live in fear, who haven't yeah. forgiven everyone for everything, um, you got to do all that work. Yeah, and that's the first work. Mm -hmm. It's the first work because how can we how can we even champion freedom if we are held captive by our own traumas? You know that that that's when the message of freedom really resonates is when when it comes from someone who has become liberated. So that is that path to freedom. Truly, is from within. First, looking at what are those things? What are these blockages? What is the self sabotage program that I'm carrying? You know, what is holding me back and keeping me in this cage, you know? So it's not just that the society has imposed this control system on us. It's a co-creation. There's a lot that we do to ourselves as well. And so part of that, that remedy in this time is to come to see that actually, even if all of that is true and we have been victimized our entire lives, now we have a choice to end that cycle of violence, end that cycle of oppression, and stop doing it to ourselves first and foremost. So what can I do to really honor myself? For me, my, my path really started in 2011, and I was a heavy drinker at that time, and it was one of those... Uh, positive lies, uh, lies I was telling myself that, oh, I, I just like to have a good time. But of course, the day after there would always be the sense of guilt because you know that that joy wasn't actually fully authentic, that that it's it's almost like a desperate call to to ask for help and, and, and ask for love from others because you don't have it for yourself. So the, so it, it was like an artificial joy. You I know? didn't know we had that in common. When when did you give it up? When did you leave it behind? I stopped 2011. Wow. And uh, yeah, but then I went back to drinking for a couple more years in London uh, because when I was studying theater, the whole crowd was just, oh, yeah. oh, you have to have a glass of wine, whatever. So I was I got back into it for a little bit, but then I, I stopped for good in 2014. Okay, but, mine was 20... Yeah. 2019 so yeah it's been three yeah. years for me yeah but it's so interesting it's massive. I, well I think that's another thing that we've been lied to and we're constantly yeah. bombarded with 
that, so you know, drinking is the only drug where people wonder why you're not doing it. It's that pervasive yeah. in Western society. You, yes. yeah. you drink, if you don't drink, you're not normal. And, yeah. and drinking's not normal. It's like mm -hmm. school, you know? It's not normal. That's not something you It actually need. lowers your state of consciousness. It makes you docile. It makes you more numb. Mm -hmm. So what? when I stopped that, when I realized that, okay, what I'm doing is I'm not happy. I'm actually not happy. Uh, I'm going to stop drinking. Um, and I'm going to start pursuing all those things that give me joy. So I started taking singing lessons. I started, uh, I went into a dance studio, started taking dancing lessons, I started playing. I bought a piano for myself again. I, I was in music academy when I was a kid. So I, I rekindled that love. And I just started feeling life nurturing me. I started well, feeling my heart open. It's a giant space that alcohol sucks up in our lives. You don't realize yeah. it. And when you quit, when you leave that behind and you're like, that's mm -hmm. no longer the me, that's not the me I want to be. There's, it's amazing how much time you have. There's so, yeah. I spent yeah. so much time. Yes. Daily. And capacity, capacity yes. to feel yes. because it numbs you. It, it, it drains you so much. It's a neurotoxin. So it, it's, it's a small poisoning every time you get drunk and then for your body to recover from that abuse, it is a form of abuse, self-abuse. So you go through the moral hangover. This is the, the big this is the most toxic thing about it all. It's not just what your body is feeling the, the next day, the hangover, but the moral hangover. Cause you know, you abused yourself. You did something that is against your nature. You harmed yourself. So you feel the shame of that. And, and that's what block it, blocks your creative flow. That's what blocks your channel to the divine, which is where all inspiration comes from. Inspiration in spirit, it's spirit embodied. So when you're in a state of inspiration, you have a direct flow from the divine that is kindling your gifts. And all of us have these. Every single one of us have gifts that are dormant, that are just waiting to be expressed. But they can't be expressed if we are in a state of self-deprecation and we're in a state of, of self-loathing, which is what happens when we are not listening to our dreams or what actually gives us joy. So this is, you know, when I, when I started doing that and I started caring about myself, then this entire world opened inside me where suddenly I had space to start caring about others. And so that's when I really went on the next level with my activism. You know, I started already before that in 2006, but it wasn't, it wasn't fueled with that same compassion as it was when I stopped that cycle of abuse, basically, with myself. Well, and I think you don't have to be um, a hardcore alcoholic. You could be one of those people who just has a drink or two every day, mm -hmm. who, but yeah. you're still, there's some, so you're, so you, you can rationalize it and say, well, I don't have a hangover in the morning and I, I don't drink that much and I'm not a raging alcoholic and it doesn't change my personality. You could be one of those mm -hmm. people and still um, on some level be feeling like, but why am I doing this to myself? And, and, yeah. and just that self-loathing of, I, I can't really stop. Yeah. You know? Or believing that you're not good company without it. You know, like I was never addicted to alcohol. I could easily go months without having single one and I wouldn't drink every week. But when I did drink, I drank too much. And I, I 
I didn't want to admit it to myself because I said, oh, I'm a good drunk. You know, oh, I'd be like citing Shakespeare on the street and making everyone laugh. And I, I'd, I'd be the one to host everyone after and say, hey, let's go after party. I'll cook for you guys. We'll listen to music. Yeah, a lot of it was really great times. You know, it wasn't like it was something dark, but it's just that I didn't know. I didn't believe that I could be that henna, that loving, social, confident henna without the alcohol. So that's where the problem was, that I didn't think that I was good enough that, or, or that I would be fun enough or that my presence would be interesting enough yeah. unless I had that little drink. Wow. So when you take that drink away, you, you, you are forced to really start examining who you are well, and finding a, that confidence naturally. There's a lady who did an experiment on herself with this exact thing. Her name is Annie Grace, and she wrote an amazing book that helped me when I was early in sobriety called um, uh, This Naked Mind. And I'll put this in the show mm -hmm. notes. Anybody who's interested, who's we piqued your interest. She, it, it's a very scientific book about what alcohol does to you, how addiction works, how it's pushed on us as a society. It really mm -hmm. makes you uh, think from a logical standpoint about drinking. And I can't remember it that well. You're only supposed to read one or two chapters a day because she wants it to change your thinking. If you, drink, yeah. if you sat down and read the whole thing in one day, you'd process it really quickly and move on. And uh, <laughs> she's so funny. She said, um, so I had quit drinking for a while and I thought, you know, I'm pretty darn sure that I'm funnier and more interesting and wittier when I'm drinking. So she did an experiment. She recorded herself, a video of herself drinking a bottle of wine. It may have turned into two. And, and, and she's talking and being witty and funny and doing her thing and just videotaping herself, spieling, right? She's spieling yeah. while she's drinking. And then she went back and of course probably woke up with a hangover. I don't remember it very well. And I'm um, paraphrasing the whole thing. She went back and watched it and she was just like, mortified <laughs> like so we think we're wittier we think we're funny yeah. we think we're more social and all that no you do look like a drunk moron and and <laughs> you and and everybody around you is probably drinking too so it just seems to work but yeah. the truth yeah. of it is is we are funnier and and um definitely more authentic and i mean just it's yeah you you can Absolutely. When you find where fun comes from within you instead of without you, what, you know, what a discovery. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's such a journey. Anyone who's listening, you know, try that. Give yourself maybe a month just to see what it's like to go into your social gatherings and parties. And instead of drinking, you know, dull, sparkly water, get something amazing like pomegranate juice. This was, this was my uh, like secret elixir out of alcohol abuse was that I would have a glass of pomegranate juice, Same. cold pressed. I did really? pomegranate because with sparkling water. I mixed it with sparkling water. Okay. I would have it just, you know, as is in, in a wine glass. Cause it also, it, it does that little trick for your mind, you know, that you, you, you're reminded of something that's very familiar that you feel comfortable with. And that exhilaration, that, that natural kind of high that you get from pomegranate is so much more better than than any alcohol drink could ever give you and it just gives you this energy and this joy you know this is just 
pure life force coming from the earth. And then I discovered juicing, you know, green juices, all these amazing elixirs, you know, ginger shots, raw cacao. And you're like, wow, there's this entire world of fun, Healthful. which is which you can induce with, with nature. And then when you're comfortable with that, then you can go and just have nothing, just, you know, have a glass of water. But until you feel that, you know, it's possible for you to be comfortable in other people's company without alcohol, then I recommend having something really great, like, or kombucha or some, something that you enjoy, you know, you know, to take is, instead of alcohol. <laughs> I, I mentioned that one of the things I've done is starting a new business. And my, one of my very dearest friends in this whole world and I have started a non-alcoholic beverage company. We're not available yet. We're still in the production, oh, wow. production phase. And it is, um, I won't say any more about it. It's a, it's a, very healthful, just like you're talking about, um, beverage that is, um, everything in it is healthy for you. And it's just got a punch of flavor. I can't wait to, when we launch, I'll, oh, I'll tell you more about it, but yeah, stay, tuned. Yeah, yeah. stay tuned for more. I'll let you know. Um, so we're going to have to wrap it up. I know. I mean, I would love to talk to you. We didn't get to the police. We didn't get to some other things. Um, but I, I want, what I want people to do is be aware of who you are and what you're doing and follow you. If they're interested in taking your course, take your course, follow yeah. both of us on Telegram. If you're not on Telegram, you should be. And, and I want to, it's not that it's social media. It's different. It's, it's information. It's free information flow. I have never seen anyone post a selfie with their cat on Telegram. You're not going to see that. <laughs> you're not going to see what someone made for dinner unless it's an extremely healthy meal and they're sharing the recipe, you know, I mean, and if you're into that, you can find channels that are about healthy food or, you know, there's channels about everything. Um, it's non-censored. Uh, it's free. It's free speech. We still have available to us. Is it, uh, what do they call it? encrypted? I doubt it. I mean, anything you put on there is going to be for the entire world to see. There's, um, is it owned by the Russians? That's what I've heard. Like, I, I mean, it's not, it, it's, it's not like it's, a, it's something that we should embrace, but you will find a free flow of information and learn things if you go on there. And so one of the ways you get started is by knowing a couple of places you want to follow. So you have a, a channel and a chat but your chat mm -hmm. is private because there's bots. It's this weird, if you don't know about Telegram. Yeah. So my, my, my chat is open and I have to, I'm still deleting bots every day. Um, but so there's, mine is at Freedom Junkie Radio and there's at Freedom Junkie. I don't know if it's at, it's HD. You go to Telegram, look up Freedom Junkie Radio, Freedom Junkie Radio chat, look up Hannah Maria and- 22. Mine is Hannah Maria 22 is my channel name. Okay. And- yeah. um, then just to keep up with, with what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're sharing, that's the only place I really share. I, I, I still have an Instagram and a Facebook account, which you've made me think I should possibly not have. But one of the things I'll do is take a clip from this interview with you and post it on Facebook and Instagram. And hopefully people will end up on Telegram. You know, I, I, yeah. I guess they're making that's an avatar. Part to do it. I'm going to be in the meta yeah. world. I'm going to be, make me a wise old sage, please. Um, anyway, uh, just to wrap it up, I feel like we've really dug into some good stuff that people can do. A lot people can do from mm -hmm. thinking about what truth is to going ahead and dealing with your trauma and moving forward in this life, sweep away the garbage in your own life 
so that mm-hmm. you've, you're open and a free vessel to move forward. Um, consider peaceful activism in your streets. Uh, yeah. Grow your own food. We didn't even get there. Uh, support your local farmers and the farmers markets. Get Source your food locally. There's so many things we can do. And so is there anything else you'd leave us with? Yeah, I mean, you're just so deep. I love the way you think. And um, anything else that you could leave us with? Uh, yeah, it's been fun chatting about, you know, like the, what is the the, the true, true premise for freedom? Because it's, it's all fine. And, and we have all these websites you can check out the different causes I'm doing, you know, Police for Freedom, Dawn of Peace, Save Our Food, We Are Human, We Are Free. And, and it's all available there. But Honestly, how much we're able to embody um, those actions and those values if we haven't come to love ourselves first Mm. and respect ourselves and honor ourselves as a being and know that whatever you see in the mirror, this is a unique creation made with love. If you don't have that yet when you look at yourself in the mirror, then it's an invitation to you to, to reconsider, you know, that is what you are as a creation the most important thing if you yes like you just said if you look in the mirror and have self-loathing if you're taking those drinks in the evening and having self-loathing self-loathing if you're envying others and having self-loathing you're not gonna you can't do anything yeah you are envy is great because you can you can take envy and straight away turn that into inspiration mm-hmm. so rather than saying oh i'm envious of this or that say Oh, I'm inspired by that. You know, change that one word and your entire life will change. I'm inspired. And then let that inspiration start welling up in you. Oh, this individual has created something for themselves, like this podcast. What an amazing platform. What an amazing thing to get to meet people from all around the earth and to share and to to learn from one another. Well, what do I want to do? I, I want to start, I don't know, making handmade jewelry. To, to bring joy and beauty into people's life. Or I don't know, I want to learn a new language. I've always wanted to learn how to write Hebrew. I don't know, whatever it is, do it. I think it's interesting for you to bring that up because I think the things that we envy in people, because we don't envy the same things. Like I don't mm-hmm. envy amazing athletes. I don't envy them, yeah. you know, but I do. I mean, I'm in the, I'm, I don't anymore, but I used to have butterflies and, a, and an unsettled feeling come on when I would see musicians play live um on yes, tv yes because it's what you're supposed because to be I'm, doing yes exactly so yes. when you when you envy something yes yeah. go oh wait maybe that's because i'm supposed to be doing that yes, yes. and so and you're not allowing yourself because you're not believing in your capacity or your your potential in that whatever path it is so if that envy is almost like a little knock like knock 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 well, and wasn't this taught, what your dream was we've you been know? taught that the that the wealthy are evil and i was so shocked the first really wealthy people i met it was a couple and they were restaurateurs and they were the kindest most down-to-earth people you would ever meet and i was like hmm. you were supposed to be like looking down on me and and driving your fancy car and and having no interest in me you know and i was shocked and i've come to the conclusion that wealthy people are just like anybody else. They've um, there's good ones and there's bad ones. And mm-hmm. if, if you envy that and it's like, well, look to that. And when you see someone succeed in business, you shouldn't be jealous and you should be like, wow, it can be done. You know, yeah. It, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I yeah. can do it. Anyone can do it. And then I can be a force for good in a bit, in a way with my pocketbook. 
you know? Yeah. So yes, um, you're right. Envy shows us a big, it's it has a lot more about us than it is about what, who the world out there, everything you're thinking. Totally. Is you. Yeah. And when you, when you shift that from like, Oh, what do I want for myself to what can be my service while I'm here? You know, what is the legacy I'm leaving behind? What kind of prints I'm leaving on this earth or for my children? Then again, the world shifts and it's, yeah. it, there's no, no much like pressure to perform or to achieve, but just like, okay, well, let me see what is my gift. You to know, give. there's a life hack and that is when you're feeling bad and when you're down and you need, you need to feel better, go do something for someone, serve, mm -hmm. service. You go just make a meal and take it to an old person and watch how good you feel about yourself. I mean, it's <laughs> right. You thought, yeah. they thought it was for them. They thought you were being so nice, but you really needed to remember that you can take time out of your day out of pure love for, you know, someone. And so, um, and there's nothing wrong about feeling joy no. when you're, you're being in service. So you feed two birds with one scone, you know, it's, <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> I love it. I used yeah. to say feed two birds with one seed because I didn't like kill two birds with one stone, but yeah. yours is even more reminiscent. Feed, <laughs> you can feed a hundred birds with one scone. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Hannah Maria, this is, this has been utterly delightful. And I, if you ever um, need to get something out there, consider my platform your own. It's a platform for Voices for Freedom. So um, I'm happy to have you on any time. You just let me know. Brilliant. And uh, so I'm, I'm so happy to introduce you to uh, whoever is listening. And um, I, I don't want it to end, but it does have to. So, <laughs> Thank oh. you so much for having me on. It's been so wonderful. I feel like I've been in your your little uh, uh, living room or, or sal or whatever is this area where you are. Well, one day I hope to meet in person and get your frequency on me, not just, you know, in my, my mind and give you a big hug. I can't wait. Uh, one of these days, if you ever make it to the States or if we get over there to Europe. That'd be yeah. amazing. So um, I just wish you to create a most beautiful evening for yourself there in Spain. And I will do the same here. It's uh, getting towards noon in central Texas as we've done this amazing thing that amazing technology is allowing us to do, which is share our ideas and come together. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Blessings. So, freedom junkies till next time. Ciao. Ciao. I live better than a king ever did. I live better than a king.